Bonjour and welcome to the very first Good Life France podcast. I'm Janine Marsh and I'm the editor of the website and magazine, The Good Life France, which is all about, you won't be surprised to know with that title, France. I'm originally from London, but I now live in a tiny rural village in the middle of nowhere in northern France with my husband, 30 chickens, six ducks, two geese, 10 cats and two dogs. I've written three books about my life in France and my quirky but lovely neighbours, and I'll be talking about them all, like Bread Man, he's not made of bread, he delivers the bread, and croissants, and cakes, and pastries to our village and all the other villagers around, and I'm on a permanent diet. And I'll also be talking about 90-year-old Claudette, my neighbour, who's also the wisest woman in the village, and many others. My friends say that if there was an Olympic gold medal for talking, I'd be a contender. I love to chat to people and to share my life in France and the journeys I take. So come with me through the podcast to discover every region from the north to the south, from the cobbled streets of Paris to the beaches of Normandy, cheese farms, vineyards, castles, lavender fields, everywhere and anywhere. And through this podcast, I'll be sharing with you alongside my podcast partner, Olivier Joffrey. The Good Life Francis podcast. Everything you want to know about France and more with Janine Marsh and Olivier Geoffrey. Mm, nice jingle. Thanks a lot, Janine, for the introduction. So, yes, I'm Oli. I'm French, although you can't really tell because my English accent is uh, perfect, obviously. I've been following Janine's adventure uh, in France for a while now, from the UK, where I live. So this uh, collaboration that uh, we're starting is a kind of uh, entente cordiale upside down. I am from uh, Vendée, west of France, and was born in a little town by the Atlantic Ocean called Saint-Gilles-Croix-de-Vie. Strange name, I know, for a non-native speaker. This is um, what we call a station balnéaire, which means that there is about 6,000 inhabitants in winter and more than 50,000 in summer. Paris Chanson is uh, indeed an internet radio station I created a few years ago, dedicated to the French songs of the 40s, 50s and 60s, just because um, I could and just because I love French chanson. I'm very happy to launch this podcast uh, with you, Janine, and uh, I hope that our listeners will love it too. This first episode is here to present uh, who we are and what we do, and then we will have a lot of surprises and guests for you as well. And now, the main event. The Good Life Francis podcast interview. And my guest today is Janine Marsh. You probably guessed it. Yes, you are about to know everything about the best person to go to when it comes to uh, traveling and discovering France. Are you ready, Janine? I am. I think I am anyway. About as ready as I'll ever be. (laughs) Depends on what your questions are. (laughs) Let's see. Let's see. Let's start. So uh, something I'm interested to know, uh, and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. How did you end up living in the middle of nowhere in rural northern France? Tell me more. Hmm. How long have you got? Well, it, it is quite a long story, but I'll give you the short version, which is it was unplanned um, and a big surprise to me as much as anyone else, because what really happened was I came over to buy wine from London because it's not too far from London actually you just drive to Dover and you get on the train or the boat and you come over it takes about three hours door to door from where I used to live and I brought my dad with me because uh, my mum had sadly died and my dad drank too much whiskey and I thought wine would be better for him so we came to buy some wine together with my husband on a really horrible cold February day with a grey sky and sleep falling 
and we bought some wine. And then my dad said, I'll take you for lunch. And we decided to drive inland for about an hour because Calais on the coast and it was really cold and windy. And we drove to a tiny village in the middle of nowhere. We didn't know where we were. It was just potluck. We stopped there. And and it was also potluck that when we got there, all the restaurants were shut because in France, they are religious about 12 till 2 for lunch, at least in the rural areas anyway. And so we had no lunch. We wandered the streets. My dad was really miserable. Actually, we were all really miserable because we were cold and wet. And we just passed an estate agent's office, you know, real estate agent. And we were looking at all the houses in the window just for something to do. And the estate agent come to the door and he said, would you like a cup of coffee? And my dad said, yes, before anyone else could say anything. And he invited us in and then he basically tried to sell us a house. And I just said to him, we haven't got any money. Uh, We're not looking for a French house. And he was really persuasive, really wily salesman. And um, he gave us his three cheapest houses, particulars to look at. And we left there, you know, assuring him that we weren't going to look at them. But then when we got back in the car, we had like four or five hours before our boat went back to the UK. And so I just said to my dad and my husband, why don't we just look, you know, got nothing else to do. And we'll see a bit of the countryside. And that's what we did. We drove around for about an hour to find the first house because it's quite hard to find your way around here. There's lots of country lanes with no names or anything. And um, we stopped at the first house and it was really, really awful. Uh, partially burnt um, in a, a little village with nothing around it. And it was flooded as well. So we drove on to the next one. And in the next village, we stopped and it was quite a pretty house. We got out of the car and we walked up the path and I was thinking, oh, it's quite nice, actually. But then when we looked through the window, there was lino, you know, the the plastic flooring stuff. It was not just on the floor. It was on the walls. It was on the back of the doors and it was on the ceiling. It's a bit like a, a bit like a serial den in a serial killer's den, you know, from uh, Dexter, the TV show. So we got out of there pretty damn quick. And then we stopped at the last village. And again, it was horrible. It. It looked a bit like a prison. It was big walls, big breeze block, concrete walls all the way around. No bars, no shops, no people. And my dad said, let's let's just get home, you know, let's just leave this. And I was just about to go. And I looked out of the window and this man came out of the house. And I said to my dad, we better just tell him that we're, you know, we're just looking because the house is on the market, not that we're looking to burgle it or anything. And it turned out the man was English. He came over to us and he said, oh, would you like a cup of tea? It was just such an unexpected surprise. So we went in and had a cup of tea and I just fell completely in love with it, even though it was an awful house. It was a wreck. There were dirt floors. There were holes in the ceilings. There was water running down the walls. It was so damp in there. And, and when you walked across the floor, your feet sort of went because they stuck to the damp carpet and there were corrugated iron doors because it was basically an old barn and with animals that used to live in it. But I, I just completely fell in love. I looked out of the window to the garden and there was this beautiful big garden with a sheep in it. don't know why there was a sheep in it, but there was. And some of the rooms had flintstone walls and there were some big old oak beams across, beams across the ceiling. And I, ju- I just... Yeah, you just get that feeling when you think, oh, God, this feels like home. And it really did. And I just looked at my husband and he shook his head slowly. like, no. But by the time we left, I pretty much bought the house. 
and it was very cheap as well. I mean, you could you couldn't buy a, a decent posh trendy Hamburg for the same price as we bought our house, and it, it was a big surprise to my husband. My dad thought I was mad, but I just I just knew I had to have this house. I didn't anticipate living here ever, but as a holiday home because I didn't actually see how you could live in it with, with dirt floors and all the rest of it. But we did buy it, and uh, and then a few years later. It was 2009 and my husband said, why don't we just go and take six months off and go and do the house up? Uh, but then the dream grew at about living here and living a different life. And I thought it would only ever be for six months. I didn't think I would last here for forever. And we came out, in my mind, for six months. And um, 12 years later, I'm still here. So yeah, that's what happened. I told you it was a long answer, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yes, a lot happened. <laughs> but it's such a nice story. I love it. And uh, because the, the stories we hear about that kind of uh, adventure are usually about how easy and uh, idyllic uh, it is, etc., etc. But uh, in the end, I believe that the real question is, uh, what uh, kind of challenges have you faced when you started your uh, proper new life uh, in France? Oh, well, that's a good question. I mean, we've all watched the TV shows and it does look so easy, doesn't it? And, oh, yes. Uh, yeah. The, the reality is, well, certainly for me, it wasn't actually that easy. I mean, we had all these grand ideas. We had a motorbike at the time and we were we were going to travel across France on our bike and get to see it. And then almost within months, the first cat turned up, Winston, we call him. Um, and he was a tiny kitten we found under the wheel of our van in the town. And uh, he was in an awful state. He was only four weeks old and we didn't think he'd make it through the night, but he did. And then two months later, we took in a stray dog and then another stray cat. So that was the end of the motorbike cycles, you know, plans. And um, we thought we would live a more simple life out here. And that's what we really wanted. And we wanted to grow our own fruit and veg. And we wanted to keep chickens and ducks and geese and be self-sufficient. Uh, actually, that's how the website got the name, because uh, there was a, a TV sitcom series in the UK about a couple who wanted to escape the rat race and try to live the good life. And it was called The Good Life. In uh, in the States, it was called The Good Neighbours. And so uh, and some of that did come true. We do grow our own vegetables and we do grow fruit and we do keep chickens. But we tried to eat one once and, and we realized pretty quickly that we're actually still townies at heart. We could, We couldn't do it. So uh, now we're kind of fairly overrun by birds. Actually, last weekend, I had to rehouse four male ducks because we, we just we're getting to the stage now where if you have more than 50 birds, you have to register as a farm in France. We don't really want to do that. So we took um, two of our ducks to a vet in the in the local town and two ducks went to a really nice man who's got a big lake and, and they just waddled off without a backward glance. They were really happy. Um but no, it's not It's not all easy. I mean, I've had electric shocks. I've broken fingers and toes from dropping tools and breeze blocks on my feet. And there was one time when Mark dropped a tile on my head when we were renewing the roof. And um, that was quite painful. But Mark probably has it. Mark, my husband, he has it much, much worse than me. He He's um, had lots of injuries out here, but nothing too life-threatening, apart from electric shocks, I suppose. 
uh, and we've learned so much we couldn't afford to get builders in to do everything so we just basically learned to do everything ourselves we've done youtube tutorials mark's really good he he went on courses and learned how to do plumbing how to do bricklaying how to build the roof electrics absolutely everything so in the end we just got on with it and i have to say we bought this house in 2004 we're still doing it up so it's been a, a long slow slog but it's also been really, really exciting. So yes, hard work. And I think the worst thing though is the cold. If you live in rural France, you you pretty quickly realise when winter comes that you have to take care of making sure you stay warm. Uh, we only had one wood fire to heat the whole house. In fact, we pretty much still do, but this wood fire works and that one didn't. And I do remember the first year... I sat in the greenhouse, which was the warmest place there was, and I cried because it was so cold and I was so fed up and I really didn't think I was going to make it here. And I thought about divorcing Mark and I thought about going back to live in the UK and get my job back and, you know, earlier than six months. And then we met one of our lovely neighbours and he just said, you know, what are you doing? You need wood. We hadn't ordered any wood and we couldn't find any because we'd left it too late. And he organised for wood to be delivered and we lit the fire and you know, basically it was back on, no divorce, no going back to London. And uh, and yeah, we're still here. So yes, it's it's not as easy as you think it might be from the films and the TV, but if you're pragmatic and you're prepared to work hard, it's perfectly doable. That's what I say. So I have tons of questions for you, uh, Janine. I'm very curious about um, your, um, your life there and your, your story. Uh, I was about to ask you, how did it go? So now I know. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> uh, just to go a bit deeper, how did you expect a French rural life to be? And has it turned out that way? Um, I, I suppose like everyone, I had a bit rose-coloured glasses and I had visions of rose arbors and clematis growing around the door and... I thought, you know, I'd keep chickens and collect eggs in a pretty wicker basket each day and pick a few vegetables for lunch. But the reality is, you know, you can do that, but there's also cleaning out the chicken coops. And that's not fun, especially in the winter or when it's raining. And the birds get out and eat the vegetables sometimes. So you don't always get the vegetables you're expecting to get. They're like chicken ninjas. They just scale high fences and they, and they can even creep along the branches of trees. They sleep in the trees. I mean, everyone thinks I did anyway, that they sleep in coops, but they don't. My, my chickens all sleep in the trees so they can get out pretty much when they want to. And they eat all the flowers. And, you know, sometimes they munch those rose petals that grow around the door, which they do now. Um, so, yes, I, I, I would say, did it meet my expectations? Absolutely. And then some totally more than more brilliant than I ever thought it would be, to tell the truth. Thank It's you. been a few years now, uh, Janine. Uh, what has been the best thing about moving to France? <gasps> oh, I could write a book about that. In fact, <laughs> I, in fact I might. Um, I, it's, there's just so much. There's nothing really that I don't like about living in France. Maybe the administration, you know, yeah, a lot of paperwork you have to fill in here. But... Uh, For me, coming from London, especially a big city with, I don't know, nine million people maybe, to live in a rural village of 142 people and a thousand cows, the air is fresh, yeah, there's so much space. I love French people, they're so friendly. I love the whole poly, you know, politesse thing, how everyone's polite and everyone says bonjour. We went to uh, the local 
town hall at the weekend. It was our harvest party. They call it a ducat here, which is a Flemish word. And, and I walked in with my friend Annette and everyone shook our hands or we got kisses on the cheeks. It's just so lovely. I really love that. I love the bread, you know, baked by artisans in the shop. I love the croissants. I love the pop of a champagne cork in champagne. And it can take a while to make French friends, but when you do, it's for life. And I really love that they're, they're not sort of so outgoing straight up front but you have to work up for it a, a little bit and I love how everybody French loves heritage and patrimony and they support the arts and that's just a French way of life uh, more I love cafe culture people watching I love that that's a way of life I love cheese camembert and comté and I even quite like epoise although it's a bit smelly uh, where I live, and we're in a, quite near a place called Boulogne-sur-Mer, and they make the officially smelliest cheese in the world. And I promise you, if you go to a cheese shop and they've got it in stock, you can smell it before you even get in the door. I love cakes. Uh, French cakes are the best in the world. I really believe that. They look like little jewels, you know, so colourful. I love the Eiffel Tower, the fact that it was meant to last for 20 years and it's still here over 130 years later. And it's one of the most photographed and loved sites in the world. Two hour lunches being normal here, I think is brilliant. The language. I mean, I, I don't speak French as well as you do, Olivier, but, you know, I can speak some French like uh, croquer la vie à plein don. Oh, joli. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Did I, did I say it right? Yeah, Actually. yeah, you did. <laughs> it literally means bite into life of all of your teeth or we might say in English you know to embrace life to the fullest but I just love that expression because it just makes me think of you know seeing people just bite into life and for me that means cakes and cheese and bread and I love baguettes too you know I love coming out of the bakers and seeing my neighbours with their baguettes tucked under their arm or in a basket and everyone just nibbles the end of a baguette it's just the law in France and a I think as well for me, which is specific to where I live, maybe the community spirit, the whole, you know, life in the countryside, getting together at the town hall once in a while. It's it's just amazing here. And along the way, I've met so many people through Facebook, through Twitter, through Instagram, through the website, through the magazine, like you. I mean, how I met you is... Uh, a uh, Facebook follower called Gordon who lives in America. And he said, oh, because it's a community page on my Facebook page. And he said, oh, have you ever heard of Paris Chanson? They play amazing French music. And I wanted to learn everything about my new country when I came here, especially music, because I think music is such a great common denominator for everyone. And I started listening to your show and that's how we met. So exactly, yes, yep. I, I, it's, it's another thing that I, I love about my life here and about France is the people overwhelmingly and the people that you meet through doing what I do. So a long answer again. So yeah. <laughs> I told okay, you I could okay. talk for England. So. <laughs> <laughs> but the beauty of podcasts, we have all the time we need. And there's something else, people, that you need to know on top of all this that Janine just uh, told us. Uh, you have the best job in the world. You, you've traveled extensively around France. So my next question is, apart from where you live, Janine, which is your favorite place in France? Well, that's so sneaky. Ouch. And people do ask me that a lot. And I mean, the answer is, obviously, I love my region best. 
which is called Eau de France, which is um, Le Nord, Pas de Calais and Picardie. So three departments that make up the region. And I do really love it here. And But pretty much everywhere I go, I, I ring my husband and I say to him, oh, I'm in the Dordogne and I really love it here. I want to live here. Or, while I was uh, in Aix-en-Provence and I was like, oh, I really love Aix-en-Provence. I'd like to live here or, you know, Burgundy, Bordeaux, it doesn't, Alsace, Charente-Maritime, wherever I go. He says to me, you're just so terrible. You ring up all the time and you just say, I want to live here instead. But when I go home, I'm I'm so happy to go home. I know it rains a bit where I am in the north, but um, I do really love it here. Having said that, I did actually go to the island of Corsica this year for the first time. And uh, truly, it is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to. The food is amazing. The wine is terrific. The people are great. So, yes, I think if I were actually to consider leaving my village, I might seriously consider Corsica. So that would yeah. be your second choice? I think, well, yeah. at the moment. It's because I've just come back from Corsica, but I'm going to the Loire Valley tomorrow. So ask me <laughs> <You> tomorrow. <never laughs> Let's say the Loire Valley tomorrow. <laughs> well, thank you very much for that, Janine. It's nice to know a bit more about you and, and your story. But what more can you tell us about uh, the Good Life France podcast? What can um, our listeners uh, expect for the next uh, episodes? Well, uh, in future episodes, you're always going to get me and you're always going to get Olivier. But we'll also be introducing guests to you. Um, guess who they're going to share their expertise on France that could be the French way of life it could be customs and traditions and characteristics the most amazing places to visit uh, cooking in France everything what is life like here anything and everything to do with France and also very important Janine we want our listeners to participate to our podcast as well That's right. Um, we're also introducing a question and answer segment. So if any of you have got a question about life in France or there's somewhere in France you'd like to know more about or something you'd love to know, like, is it really true that it's illegal to call a pig Napoleon in France? You can just ask us. <laughs> got a question about France? Well, ask the experts. We reply to you in each episode, and we do it for free. So what do you reckon, Olivier? True or false? Mm. Can you call a pig Napoleon in France? <laughs> Even the question is, uh, is silly uh, in itself. Um, I don't know. Uh, I know that Napoleon was quite a sensible person, so that may be true. Uh-huh. It's wrong, actually. Oh. It's Yeah, it's false. It's not illegal to call a pig in France, but many, many French people believe this is true. Apparently, I'm told, someone in France even started an official petition a few years ago to change the law to allow pigs to be called Napoleon. But it's an urban myth. No one really knows who started the rumour, but it could be because of an early French translation of a book called Animal Farm by George Orwell. Uh, the translator changed the name of the pig Napoleon in the English version to Caesar in the French version. Then they changed it back to Napoleon. But the rumor persists that you cannot call a pig Napoleon in France without being fined or going to prison, maybe. So not true. There you go. You learn something every day. Absolutely. So if you've got any more questions, anyone, email me at editor at thegoodlifefrance.com. And in every episode, we'll answer at least one question.
And as it happens, I do have a question already. It's from um, Tony Davis, who lives in Perth in Australia. And he says, it's another name one, this one. Is it true that in France you can't call your children funny names? So, Olivier, is it true? Can I call a friend? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to say it was true. Uh, I'm, I know that we have a bit more freedom since the 90s, maybe, in France when it comes to uh, first names. Am I right? You are. 1993. Before oh, that... French names had to come from an official list of acceptable prenoms, first names, which were laid out by the authorities. So, yes, you're absolutely right. It's true. You cannot name your child anything that is considered strange or might harm the child's chances of a normal life or encourage excessive teasing by others. When you go to register a baby's name in France, the registrar has the power to question the parent's choice if they're not happy about it. I mean, they're not allowed to just go, oh, I don't like that name. I don't like the name Olivier. You can't call your baby that. That's not how it works. But if you want to call your name, your child Nutella, which actually happened uh, a few years ago. So a, a couple loved Nutella, which is a chocolate spread, if you don't know what that is. They loved it so much, they wanted to call their daughter Nutella. Why but not? Well, actually, it, it sounds quite nice, doesn't it? Oh, Nutella, she's so pretty. But anyway, the, the authorities said, no, you can't do that. So, And I didn't believe that this was real, but I asked at the local bar where I go. We, we have a bar about eight minutes drive away from here. And um, everyone said, yep, it's absolutely true. But then they had a contest in there to come up with ridiculous names so that they could annoy their registrars. Like another one you couldn't, uh, a couple had a child and they were fanatical Michael Jackson fans and they wanted to call their baby MJ. That got chucked out as well. Couldn't call your baby MJ. But in our local bar now, we have a, a, an old man called Monsieur Foyard, who uh, allegedly has been going to the bar for 75 years. I don't know if this is true, but this is what everyone says. Anyway, we have now changed his name to Monsieur Quanquan, which is uh, French for quack quack, like a duck, because he waddles home after the bar when he's had a <laughs> glass or two of pastis. So, yep, answer Tony Davis from Perth is you cannot call your child in France a name that might cause teasing or mockery. Um, that's the end of the podcast, uh, episode one, already uh, almost uh, Janine. What's next for uh, the, the next episode? Well, on the next episode, we're going to be talking to a Parisian comedian. He is an absolute legend. He's a man who makes people fall off their seats laughing in a packed theatre in Paris. So we're going to be opening the show with a warning. Be prepared for your sides to ache because he's going to explain how to be a Parisian in just one hour. Although he may not take an hour to do it on this podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode of the Good Life France podcast, you can subscribe via our weekly newsletter and you'll get a tale of life in France and you'll get a roundup of fabulous features from the website and our free fabulous digital magazine. And you can also subscribe via Ollie's site, which is called parischanson.fr. And my website is thegoodlifefrance.com. And please don't forget to share us with your friends. Exactly, that's very important. Thank you very much for listening to our podcast, which is available as well on all podcast platforms. And we'll see you every two weeks. Salut. Salut, Janine. Thank you. Bye-bye. The Good Life Francis podcast, available on all podcast platforms, on thegoodlifefrance.com and on parischanson.fr. Thank you.